Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? It's It's been a week of up and downs, you know? Yeah, totally, totally relate <laughs> to that one. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I got I got my first dose of COVID-19 vaccine. Class. Class. Which was great. Big That's fan. really good. I'm now like 64% immune to it or something, some kind of number. And I haven't got a blood clot yet and died, so that's nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, it also led to me feeling quite unwell uh, the next day, which was not fun, but worth it in the long run. I mean, I just had like some flu-like symptoms, which you know, if it means we can, well, I, I I won't get COVID, which I imagine is much more unpleasant, and also we can maybe go outside and do things again. It's probably worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know a few people that have had it now, and they seem all seem to say that the same thing, like. They get it, it's fine, and then they have a pretty rough thirty-six hours, and then they're just totally fine again after that. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. I'm just feeling like a little bit off, but like, yeah. I mean, I never, I never feel on, you know. <laughs> I always feel a little bit under the weather, so this is kind of part of the cause. Yeah. Um. So that was one of the downs, and then also I got muted on Twitter for another seven days. So. <laughs> Hell yeah! Wonder again. why I hadn't seen you around. <laughs> <laughs> I got muted again. Boo! I said, I said, cops should die, and that wasn't. That wasn't okay, apparently. Uh-huh. You I can mean, say, you know, you can get on and say all sorts of sort of awful things and targeted harassment and all, all of that kind of thing, but you can't make a general a general blanket statement, apparently. That all police officers should die is what I said. <laughs> Twitter have said that that is not okay, which I kind of understand. <laughs> I understand why I got muted for that. Um, but my my mom saw it as well, and she was like, "Just just don't put the the bit about death." <laughs> You'll probably be fine. Like, You've probably got a point. <laughs> so yeah, I'm still muted for like another four days or something. Oh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> that's why you haven't seen me post on Twitter. <sighs> so other than that, you know, good. I'm feeling relatively optimistic for the first time in almost roughly exactly 12 months. So Good, good. Yeah, that's how good. you doing? Yeah, fine. Again, been a bit of a up, up and down few days for myself as well. Just like nothing in particular. Just that sort of like... I guess the the weather's getting warmer, it's getting nicer outside, and still, every single day, loads of people walk past, it, my, past my house and they've got no masks <laughs> on, and they'll just... Does it, does it matter what the weather's like outside for you? I mean... Is that really... <laughs> like, if at, we do at, whatever at, outside, because you don't get to experience it. Yeah, like, at, at this point, yeah, like, if it's nice outside, it just kind of make it, make it worse, sort of taking the extreme precautions that I am, but... Yeah, it, it draws all of the knackers out as well, which is uh, which is always fun. Yeah, I, I look forward to a big spike in cases because yeah. of the sun. Yep. <laughs> Not me though. Again. I can go but, out and start licking lampposts and stuff. Nice, nice. I mean, I, I can't, and I'm not going to. But you know. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm hoping, hoping that I'll get my first first dose soon. So my wife's getting hers tomorrow, uh, which which is Amazing. good. Uh, I'm going with her because I'm registered as a carer there as well. So we're gonna potentially try to get myself <laughs> try to sneak myself <laughs> up up the queue a little bit. I mean, yeah, you might uh, as well you might as well try if you're gonna be there anyway. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously, I know it's it's different in lots of places, but our, our vaccination centre was uh, quiet. <laughs> there yeah. were like 50, 50 people in there, you know, getting people in, telling people where to go, actually administering the vaccines and, and what have you. Um, they're all doing an amazing job, and there's just no one there. I was the only one there getting a vaccine. <laughs> um, 
and I, I, I guess that they probably have room for more people. I'd hope. Potentially, but yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, shy, shy Ben's getting out, right? Exactly. You might as well ask. Yeah. Cool. So, in terms of, of magic playing, how's your how's your weekend magic gone? I have been playing quite a lot of magic. Cool. Which it's has very been very unlike nice. you, <laughs> right? <laughs> I hate to play magic. Um, I've played a lot of modern. Cool. Which again is very unlike me. Um, I bought I built a Omnath Cryptic Command pile. I love to play Ren and Six and Cryptic Command in the same deck. Um, played a few games of that. That was fun. Sweet. Um, I, I played some pre-modern. Cool. So so <laughs> it's not. My, <laughs> so it's not, not a scam. scam. No. It might be a scam. I'm just falling for it like an idiot. <laughs> no, I, I mean, despite my disparaging comments about it last week, and disparaging might be an understatement. Um, I just I thought I'd put it together because, like like we you know I actually went and did some research before I uh, you know after I made my uh, comments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> turns out the decks are actually relatively affordable. Um, and some of the bits that are like reserved list are like the cheaper reserved list, like Morphling and stuff. Um, so they're relatively cheap, and we'll probably just go up a little bit higher. So I don't feel that bad about investing in them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, played a few games, so it's fun. Casting fact or fiction is fun. Who knew? Yeah. Oh, like everybody who's played Cube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, and yeah, played some Commander. I've played a lot of Magic. It's been sweet. It's been fun. I, it turns out magic is actually fun, and there's a reason I started getting into this hobby, right? Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. It's been nice to rediscover that, <laughs> rather than just complaining about the game the entire time. It's good. I'm glad you've been having fun, fun with this this game that we really do love. Yeah, it's just nice to prove it every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you played much magic this week? I've played a lot of magic too. A hell of a lot of magic, but completely different I've been drafting vintage cube pretty much like non-stop like whenever I can get a, a spare a spare hour and a half I'll, I'll sounds about right. fire up a draft it's fantastic I love vintage cube so much um, I have yet yet to go 3-0 and get a trophy come so close so many times but it's like such a, is, is the na- nature of vintage cube like draft leagues specifically I think if you're a good drafter and you want to you want to be winning trophies and stuff and like you know drafting a, a vintage cube or a powered cube deck well then you're probably better to play in like the like the queues but that takes obviously takes a lot longer uh you can't just sort of sit down and jump into games at your convenience like you can with, with, the, with the leagues uh, but the downside is that <laughs> if you play a league you, you could easily come up against opponents who, who like multiple opponents who've drafted the same pieces of power like black lotus and soul ring and multiple moxen that seems to happen quite frequently, uh, playing against opponents that have opened <laughs> lotuses, but Don't it's look. fun. It's fun, and this, this is the kind of thing that you sign up for. Uh, I think the the closest I came was uh, last night I drafted just like a sweet twin deck, um, played some, some really cool games in round one and round two against opponents who drafted storm decks. Uh, like Some of those games were quite close, but they were really, really fun games. And then... Uh, Round three, your opponent was on like mono red and went turn one black lotus goblin rubber master. Couldn't come back from that. And then yep. <laughs> game two, they did the same thing, but on turn two, I was like, all right. <laughs> but this is this is the kind of thing you sign up for when you play vintage cube leagues, and I, I love it. It's fun. It's it's really fun that so many people get to just experience these powerful, ridiculous things in Magic, and I love it. 
I wish the miniature cube was just up all year round. I think it would maybe be a, a bit less special if it was up all the time. Um, I, I don't. I really. I know I you're really going to disagree. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking about that like the other day when I, I was so I streamed. I've streamed, streamed quite a few of my drafts as well, and was discussing that a bit in one of my streams. And you know, there's, there's that saying of like, you know, ice cream for dinner or whatever, or like too much of a good thing can spoil for the fun or whatever. But I, I don't think I don't think I could get too much of Vintage Cube ever. I think it's that just, metaphor specifically. Great really falls down when it's applied to you yeah <laughs> based on your eating habits <laughs> yeah <laughs> based on stories you've told me before I, I think you would eat ice cream for dinner every day and still be fine well not physically but you'd well, be fine yeah i guess i guess if we're talking literally like ice cream for dinner then 100 percent. yeah there would there would come a point where i would probably be hospitalized so again <laughs> <laughs> i guess that metaphor does does hold up there like literally but <laughs> But you take that metaphor applied to Vintage Cube, I, I think I could just draft Cube all day, every day, and, and probably just never get bored of it. No two games are the, are the same, and I love it. Well, apart from those two games where your opponent went Black Lotus, God, the Rubble Master. Uh, wait, those two we, games were quite similar. They, did it, they were quite similar, but they weren't the same. They did it on turn one in game one and turn two in game two. <laughs> now, they call me a pedant, but that sounds the same. <laughs> it sounds like exactly the same thing. It was fun. It was fun. Okay, well, good. That's the main It's fun thing. for my opponent, but yeah, I, I I just love it, love it. And I guess as soon as we're, we're done recording this, I'm probably going to fire off a, a couple of games of the the deck that I just drafted before we started recording this. Yeah, I just assume if you're not at work or not literally speaking to me, you're just playing cube. <laughs> yeah, while vintage cube is up, I I, I do try to yeah. get in as much as possible. Love it. Mm-hmm. But outside of cube, I've done nothing really. Just played a bit of Magic Arena, um, but. It's it still has it has its problems. Uh, Historic Anthology two came out uh, four. Historic Anthology four came out, which was an interesting one. I think there's like maybe three or four cards that are actually playable, and everything else is like awful. Uh, uh-huh. But it's added Death Shadow to the format, and Death Shadow seems to be seeing a lot of play, so that's cool. I think it's mm-hmm. it's just frustrating that like uh, so one of the things that we saw when we saw the Strixhaven previews, uh, the, I can't even remember what they're called now, the, what are those spells called? Mystical Archives, Super Duper Mystical, special, that's the one, Japanese Mystical cards. Archives, yeah, when they, when they previewed the Mystical Archives cards, they said that, oh, not all of these cards would be in Historic, because they're, they're too good, and specifically named, like, Swords to Plowshares. I think it's quite frustrating that, like, you can have good, powerful creatures, like, like Death Shadow, and you can make them massive, and there are like so like Ulamog as well. Like you have big, big, powerful threats that you can get out early, but we just can't have answers mm-hmm. that are equally as powerful. Like I would love Swords to Plowshares in in Historic. Like if that means that you don't just die to Muxus on turn two. Like well, that's just, just give uh, us that. Give us swords. <laughs> that's that's just the magic they they want to they want to make now. We, we've. It's been true for you know the last nearly thirty years that they're just trying to power creep creatures over spells because yeah you know you look at old school magic and all the creatures suck a lot and all the spells are broken and they're still trying to get away from that and yeah you you <laughs> it means that you don't get source of power shares but you get stuff like death shadow and ulamog that would be nicely answered by something like a source of power shares yeah um, and they just don't want to do that I guess because they they have this sort of new philosophy about 
how magic is supposed to be and spells are supposed to be worse than creatures and creatures are supposed to sort of rule all the formats and if historic is your format that you're putting on your online client which is mainly meant to be accessible to newer players you want that sort of philosophy to carry on right yeah um which yeah. <laughs> i imagine just makes kind of gameplay miserable that's it like spells don't look impressive and have impressive animations on your video game whereas mm-hmm. creatures mm-hmm. can do creatures are there on, on the board always and something to look at yeah so wh- why would they why would they give you powerful spells that allow you to win games and make decisions and not just die on turn two or three yeah why would you want that, that that's not fun <laughs> nope <laughs> because if you die on turn two or three then you can just pay more money for the next game and enter the next tournament or whatever i don't know how arena works but if the games end quicker you have more opportunity to spend your gems right <laughs> And that's what you want. You don't want long, drawn-out control mirrors where it takes you ages to play and then you play two games and you think that's enough magic for me today. You want to play 20 games in a row where you just get beaten up by a Death Shadow and you keep playing games. Right? That's That seems like a, a good model. When you get yeah. games end on turn four or five and they're really quick. Do you remember when they cared about the game more than they cared about making No! <laughs> yeah. That time... <laughs> we talked about the before times. That's the before the before times. I don't remember that. I, I remember Magic being a game that is entirely driven by its community, and that's the only reason it's got any staying power. And I believe that most of the decisions that Wizards of the Coast have made have probably made the game actively worse. If not, they definitely haven't made it actively better. It's all about the people that play it and the content creators. That's that's what drives Magic more than anything yeah. else. At least from you know the way I engage with it, because obviously they're doing something right to get new people in. Because you know Magic's more popular than it ever was. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I suppose appealing to us old curmudgeons who uh, like to play stupid old border cards that cost £3,000, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not doing much to appeal to us. So so I don't remember yeah. the time before that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it certainly, it certainly is a complete... I mean, even going back to Vintage Cube for a second, like I feel like Vintage Cube decks that I draft these days are considerably different to, to what they were sort of like when I started getting in, in the cube and, and mm-hmm. doing vintage cube on magic online and stuff and I know we, we'd had a quick sort of look look back to try and find like some older decks that I drafted before this because for some reason magic online likes to save some of your old decks uh don't yep. know why but it, they're there only some L- looking at decks from like 2015 2016 and it's just like half of the deck just isn't in the cube anymore because it, it's not good enough or it's not powerful enough and yeah, there's just a bunch of cards that are still in the cube that just don't feel good enough anymore. Like, Ashiok just doesn't feel good anymore, which is sad. Like, Library of Alexandria really does not feel good. Like, there's there's not a... Like, unless you have specifically a Narset on board, you don't want a situation where you've got seven... Or you're playing a Storm deck, I guess. So you don't want a situation where you've got seven cards in your hand. Like, you want to put things on the board. Magic is much more about impact in the board than it is having spells in your hand and resource management these days, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's much more exciting and much more engaging, and, and you know this isn't something I plan to talk about, but it's true, right? Like, yeah, magic is about being on the board because I mean part of it is because you get to do big fun animations when creatures are in the battlefield, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like you say, spells don't have animations and they're not as as fun and exciting, and that's what wizards <laughs> seem to care about and seem to keep pushing. And it's when you see with like supplementary products, like you see with Commander Legends, the most exciting new cards from there are creatures. Whole breacher and, and opposition agent. Yeah. Um, and you have Omnath and you have Uro and you have Oko, which is on the board and has an animation. Right? <laughs> like, it's just. Uh, that's, what, that's what magic magic is now. That's why you get Death Shadow, but you don't get Source of Plowshares in Historic. 
Because Death Stranding is more fun than Sword of Ashes. Apparently, apparently. Well, in terms of, you know, what, most Magic players like, when they first start playing, they're like big creatures, right? They don't care about the spells. Yeah. They care about putting a, a, an 8-8 into play for one mana. And yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I do think that Death Shadow is, is quite a good uh, good addition to Historic. Um, I just I just wish, like, I just wish we got, I don't know, like maybe one or two other cards that were actually playable in that anthology and to have those cards be, be answers. Like... Would it would it would it kill you to give us like force of negation or force of will, or like swords to plowshares? Or... Yes, yes, it would. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that whoever's in charge of the historic anthologies would drop dead if those things entered them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it genuinely seems like this, but I don't know. I don't care about arena or historic. I don't know why I have yeah, an opinion. That's fair. That's I'm just fair. trying to engage in the discourse and have an opinion on something I know, know nothing about. <laughs> that's that's how you do it, right? That's, that's yeah, how the internet. Which is going to be a repeat of last week. <laughs> right, just talk smack about something I have literally no idea about and then I later learn about the thing and go actually this one's kind of cool I still stand by my opinions from last week I still think that like if you're buying metal workers because they're good in pre-modern for like £120 each you're an idiot because why are you doing that but like, if I'm like you know buy a morphling so I can play a morphling in my stupid deck then I think that's okay yeah also it's just it, personal decisions I do many things that I think are incredibly stupid. It's, it's like my entire engagement with with buying and selling magic cards is I will sell reservedless cards to buy foil cards for an EDH deck that will not hold their value. That's objectively an incorrect thing to do if you want to continue to make magic cheap for yourself. Or at least do it economically. <laughs> and speaking of doing magic economically, uh-huh. this week we've got a bit of a, a bit of a discussion, I think. A bit of things to talk about. It may be one-sided, but it'll be a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> fully, fully agree. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a bit of a, a bit of a magic finance episode because I, I know you you like literally it, it is your job. Uh, you it's make a living. My job. You literally make a living from from hashtag MTG finance. Uh, not yeah. you know necessarily what that that usually I guess I guess um, alludes to hashtag MTG finance because I think that kind of conjures up uh, you know people in in. Telegram groups and private Discord servers talking about targeting cards for buyouts and doing shady deals and stuff. But you literally <laughs> just MTG finance, just how to how to manage your your money and make good financial decisions when it comes to Magic the Gathering. Well, that's the that's the funny thing. Like people think it's kind of this secret cabal that makes all these decisions to to artificially artificially inflate the prices of cards so they can make a bunch of money. And that is kind of going on at the moment. <laughs> but that's generally yeah. not M- what MTG finance is. MTG finance is buying 50 copies of Rogue's Passage for two cents each off card market and then putting them on your Magic the Gathering website for 60p each and selling them <laughs> and making making a heinous markup on them because everyone wants Rogue Passages or, or uh, Command Towers or Soul Rings you just buy them cheap from somewhere in bulk and sell them for a small margin <laughs> that's generally how most people make their money in these things you don't make a lot of money by trying to fo- unless you have like you know tens of thousands of dollars sitting around that you would like to invest somewhere. You don't make money off trying to, you know, scope out buyouts and stuff. That's not that's not how it works. Yeah. And if it does work, then you've gotten incredibly lucky, or you have so much money that it wouldn't have mattered whether you'd done that or you'd done it with like I don't know Porsches. Like it doesn't. Well, you could have put that money into expensive sports cars and done the same thing. Yeah, I, I think that's magic. the that's the thing. Like when it comes to specifically these sort of reserveless buyouts and all of the movement that we're seeing on on really high high end stuff, a lot of that is. Is 
people like literally just using magic cards as as investment vehicles because yeah, hundred percent. Because because they are because you you can do that these days. It's it's like collectibles are a perfectly fine and provenly very good like investment vehicle. You see it across everything. Um, you know, especially when you have really limited edition things like older magic cards. Like there's a there's a very very finite amount of them. But then you also have the added bonus of them being like actual game pieces with an actual demand. Like it's not just like oh I'm gonna buy up like you know every PSA eight whatever baseball card from back in the day. Like it's not quite that. Like there is definitely definitely big 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 money in in baseball cards and sports cards and stuff. But Magic cards and Pokemon cards and I guess Yu-Gi-Oh cards to some extent, but they have a ridiculous reprint policy. Uh, they they do have actual demand, uh, and when it is these old reservoirs cards that they can't be reprinted, they're never gonna. They're essentially, they're never gonna go down in price. They're never gonna go like you're mm-hmm. never gonna lose value on them. So if you've got a stack of money and you wanna use you wanna use that money for an investment. It makes sense to put it somewhere where it's never going to go down, and for a yep. lot of people, that is that is collectibles currently because their money is worth more in collectibles than it is sat in a bank, sat in an index fund. I've made quote unquote heavy asterisks, um, more money because making money involves selling, um, <laughs> but I've made more money from the money that I've put into small pieces of cardboard intended for children than I have in the bricks and mortars currently surrounding me. Yeah. Right, like, which is you know, historically buying a property or buying multiple if you're a bastard um, is one of the soundest ways to not make money but protect the money that you have and yeah. keep essentially keep it safe and, and, and make interest on it, etc. I've made more money on a guy's cradle than I have on the flat that I couldn't live in. Right, like, yeah, it, it, it it's more currently financially again heavy asterisk quote unquote responsible. To put money into reservist magic cards, and not just reservist magic cards, but like stupid stuff like full art foil, jeweled lotus, and the great henge, which are going up exponentially percentage-wise. I've made more money off that than I have off off buying a house, or would have done putting into a lot of you know stocks or investments or anything like that. And that's alluring to a lot of people because people see that happening and they hear the stories about someone who did this trade and then traded up to this and, and bought this for this much and. 1998 and sold it in 2021 for 17 times the price. Um, and a lot of people want to get in on that, and you understand why. But also, it's not a good idea. <laughs> I'd say that as someone whose full-time job is trying to make money out of magic cards, it's very difficult. Yeah, that's you, you it. have to have the, enough capital. That, that that's that's the key issue with, with with anything. Like when it comes to investing in anything, you you need essentially you, you need the capital. Like you absolutely need the capital as your like the risk the risk is just, is just is just far too much like yes there might be a small risk in stuff like reserveless cards but at some point you're going to need that money back like unless you have the capital to do so and and if you don't like if if you could do if you could do with 500 pounds in your bank account more than you could an underground sea then 100% you should have that 500 pounds in your bank account yeah, we've all day. been in that position, absolutely, um, and it's the responsible thing to do. Uh, and it, yeah, that's the thing. There are so many, there are so many different facets at play. Like, there are a lot of people that think, "Oh, I'm going to start a magic store." And it's like, don't, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> I mean, starting an independent business is just, just you know, 
especially while COVID is a thing, but just generally, it's not a good idea if you can avoid it. Unless you're like the specialist and like the best person in the world at this one thing. There's a reason that it's kind of a meme that businesses just fail, you know? So yeah. many businesses fail in their first year, whatever. It's because it's true, because it's, it's nearly impossible to do that, because you have to have the capital to invest in, in your stock, whatever, whatever you're selling. And also you have to pay bills and feed yourself and possibly other humans yep, or animals. Um, and those two things often can't coexist. Like if you, if you wanted to start um, a, a magic company, a magic buying and selling organization, a shop, whatever, you'd need so much money to put into stock just to make money that it, it's often not worth it for a lot of people. And that's why I think like... With, with energy finance, the whole point of it, and I've, I've, I've said it a lot, is, is the, the point of it is to make the game cheaper for yourself. To, to, to buy things and sell things and trade things efficiently based on when you would need them rather than the end goal being to make money. Yeah. Because if your end goal is to 100%. make money, you'd need at least like 50 grand to buy stuff. And you'd have to buy it cheap off the right person and then have the right outs to sell it. You can't just yeah. have £50,000 worth of stock and then, you know, go to a trade group or whatever and be like, I'm selling this. Because th- that's not it's a very uncertain thing buying and selling products is a very uncertain thing um and you need you need capital mainly just just because there are going to be some months where you just don't sell anything and again you need to eat yep. <laughs> you need to stay alive <laughs> um so yeah i think that's one of the it's just there's, there's so much there's so many myths about mtg finance and, and what people don't understand about it um and i think a lot of people think they know a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, I act like I know a lot and I say I do, and I think I do. Because again, it's my full-time job, so I know the ins, ins and outs of it. And like I'm saying, you make more monies off selling rogues passages than you do on anything else. Yeah. Um, and we can afford to do that because we make lots of sales. Whereas if you were to buy 100 copies of rogues passage at two cents and sell them at 50p each, who are you going to sell those to? Yeah, totally, totally. Like, That's it. Like, yeah, I, I could, I could undercut you by ten p, but, or am I going to go on uh, Twitter and, and Facebook and mm-hmm. make posts, say, selling rogues passages, fifty pence each. Yeah, and then you're going to. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for a very, very, very long time doing that. Yeah. Or I'm I... going to buy list them to a store and be very, very lucky if I break even. Yeah, that's that's what a general person should do like a general player in the average magic playing population should do is just buy this just stuff and move it into stuff you do want because when i'm selling a rogue passage i bought for 2p for 50p i'm also selling a soul ring and a command tower and an eternal witness and an elvish visionary right to the same person yeah and i've also got similar markups on those on those items <clears throat> and also i work for a store that has spent over a decade being a brand that people can trust right there's accountability yeah. we have an address we have a phone number we, we, we're on google <laughs> you can literally find out where we are like if there, if there are any ever any issues there's traceability and, and and trust there you're just some fucking guy <laughs> on twitter trying to hold some <laughs> yeah, like who are you like and that's why, and that's also why people should pay a premium. Like people complain about the prices that stores charge for their cards. Like, oh, Snap Custom Age is actually worth twenty pounds, but this store's selling it for thirty. It's like, well, yeah, because there's also expertise, there's also time, there's also efficiency, there's also guarantee, there's also trust, on all of these things. Whereas if you're selling it on, on, on a trade group on Twitter, I'm not going to pay you thirty pounds. I'm going to pay you the market value of it. 
Because literally all I'm paying for is that card to be put into an envelope and put through my door. Yeah. That's what I'm paying you for. So you're not going to... You're not allowed, <laughs> entitled to charge these premium prices. I think the the, the, the main thing to do, if, you, if you're genuinely interested in, in MTG Finance, the, the first thing to understand is that you are, you are just trying to make the game cheaper and more economic for yourself and maybe have some fun as well but the main the main goal of it is to you know trade up into the things you want yeah um and the main thing is just listen to people who know what they're talking about so like listen to brainstorm brewery because they collectively have years and years of experience uh, like as sellers on tcg player or in brick and mortar stores or just doing like the facebook trade group thing and, and and all that stuff like they know what they're talking about and there's a reason they're still going and still have a following, and there are loads of people that write articles about it and stuff, and just just read what those people have to say because they know what they're talking about, and they're basing it on data as well. They're basing it on like you can check these things on MTG stocks, so you can look at the graphs on MTG Goldfish or Card Market and follow the the, the prices of things. And nine times out of ten, they're correct about the calls they make. And you're not going to know that <laughs> as again just some fucking guy, right? There's a lot of learning that has to go on. Yeah. And it's not big and flashy, unfortunately. <laughs> like you make your money on the on the, the pennies and the pounds, not the not the hundreds, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the only time where you are seeing excessive returns is stuff like reserveless buyouts when you've purchased a card and you just happen to own that card when somebody or a group of people with considerably more capital than you decide to put their money in those cards. And uh-huh. therefore the value of that card that you bought goes up considerably because of the <laughs> actions of, of those other people and then you can sell it if you want but yeah that, that's, times that's, of... that's just that's just luck and it's about making making i don't know i, I mean it's, it's it's just luck really to be honest i was gonna say it's making like, good decisions as well but it's not even necessarily making good decisions like because you could you, there are you know, heuristics right yeah, there yeah. are there are like ways to interact with it, and there are ways that you can set yourself up to be lucky. But sometimes you're just going to get bit by something. You're going to think, "Oh, I can buy these things safely." And and again, like I'm not talking at grand scale where you like buy 500 copies of Scalding Town. Yeah. But like, no. okay, okay, I would like to own a playset of Scalding Town for Modern and Legacy or whatever. I'm going to buy them now, and then next week they get reprinted and the price goes down to 50% of what you paid. That sucks. That's unlucky. Yeah. You've effectively lost money on that transaction but you're not because you're not if i mean if you're going to sell them the next week after they drop them half the price you're an idiot anyway what are you doing you don't deserve to have money but the the, th- the thing to understand is you haven't lost money you have yeah. spent more than you would have uh, would have otherwise paid based on essentially randomness that you couldn't have possibly predicted yeah it's the same way that i paid 180 pounds for a guy's cradle and today, that same guy's cradle would probably... I could probably sell it for 750 I'm not going to. I haven't made any money on it. It's just that I wanted a guy's cradle. If I'd have bought it today, I'd be a lot poorer than I am now. Yeah. And those are the things you have to understand. And as I've said before on this podcast, with stuff like Scalding Tarns, the, the, the staples that get reprinted, unless it's specifically stuff like Tarmogoyf, which I'll get onto in a minute, oh, um, yeah. is they always come back. <clears throat> yeah. Scalding Tarn, Misty Rainforest, they always come back even after they get reprinted. Even if they get reprinted into the dirt, because of that ravenous market, they get taken off the market. So they're less for sale, so the price goes up. Because there's still demand for them. So like I, I picked up my playset of Scalding Tarn three weeks ago. Price is probably close to an all-time high. 
certainly higher than it will be after Modern Horizons 2, which I know the reprint is coming in, but I want them to play Stokes Golden Towns. So I understand that. I, I, I know the the loss I'm going to make on that, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's a decision I've entered into winningly <laughs> with all the information available. Because I want them to play Stokes Golden Towns. So screw it, I got one. Like I, I got I got my set because I didn't have them. And I could have waited. And that, that is a th- that is a, a good a good heuristic to follow as well. Wait for things to get reprinted and buy them yeah. then. Yeah, that's it. Like, if it's not if it's not if it's not reserve list stuff and you don't need and you don't need it right now, wait. It will be absolutely will be reprinted. Mm. Um, you know, like especially like in, in the current climate, like there are no paper events, there are no real paper tournaments or anything. Like you, you don't need to buy you don't need to buy a place that has golden tons for your modern deck. No, you definitely <laughs> definitely do not need to need to buy them right now, especially we we know we know there is a reprint coming this this year. So if you're somebody who's looking to to play a deck of force golden tons in modern, you don't have them currently. Just wait, just wait that that six months or whatever. Like in the meantime, if you do want to play modern, if you're just playing with your friends, see if your friends will let, let you proxy them, or if not, like there are other there are other less efficient lands that you can play and still play the deck less efficiently until you until you, you get that reprint or just like like buy one now <laughs> like buy one now and then buy the other the other three when it get when they get reprinted yeah or you you, you do what i do um and i'm going to justify what what seems like on the surface to be a, an absurd decision to buy tarns when they're you know at a relative high um when we know there's going to be a relatively large dip coming in the future yeah um, and that's a that's a count, right? Like the price of content is currently this. They will be, say, forty percent cheaper when Modern Horizons Two comes out. That we can yeah, say with relative certainty. Um, so if if you do just have the amount of money that you could pay for, um, to buy a current play a play set of Scotland Times at their current price, then you can do that knowing. That they will go down once they get reprinted, and knowing based on all the historical data we have for fetch lands when they've been reprinted and other staples like that, they will go up to the current price, if not slightly higher than they currently are, after a certain amount of time a couple of months, three months, six months out from their reprint. Yeah. Because it always happens <laughs> because they get yeah, removed off the market by people like you who are buying them at their absolute floor, and then the demand is still there because they're still staples in basically every format, and they will go up from there. So you can spend your say £160 on a place of, of scolding tarns, and then after enough time, they will still be worth, quote-unquote, I'm doing a lot of hypotheticals, <laughs> uh, they will still be worth £160 slightly more. Yeah. Right, you know that, and I, that's why I bought them, because I'm like, well, I want them now, even though I don't need them, obviously, because, like I said, paper events, I can proxy, whatever. Because I know that, that I'm not just pissing money down the drain. Also, I'm kind of okay with pissing money down the drain because I have the privilege <laughs> to do that. Like, I, I, I know that I'm still going to be able to afford my mortgage, my bills, my car payments, right? Yeah, Even absolutely. if I do lose a shit, like, if I just, just threw away a hundred quid, I'd still kind of be okay. I never want to do that, that's never the plan, but I have that relative security of knowing that I'll never be um, completely destitute because of <laughs> poor financial decisions. And I'm not making crazy, like, I'm not buying very expensive things but I know that and that's that's the risk you have to know going in if you can't afford magic cards don't buy magic cards yeah definitely that's true I, literally I think, everything apart from food <laughs> I think another thing to factor in as well is just like how long are you going to use them for as well like it's not just like you said before Absolutely. I'm going to buy I'm going to buy these now and then I'm going to play with them for a week and then I'm going to sell them for less next week 
because that that's ridiculous and that does not make sense. But and I've done that. I've something done like that. <laughs> something like a place at a Scalden Tarns that sees a lot of play in you know all of the formats that they're legal in. So you're going to get some good some good mileage out of those cards. Be that months, be that years, be that like whatever. They are key important staples for the game. So I I don't mind playing a you know we're talking Scotland Town specifically. I don't mind playing a, a bit of a higher price now, knowing that a reprint is coming, but knowing that I'm still going to be playing with them in twelve months time anyway. When yes, yep. they might have gone up, but they might have gone down. But I'm I'm going to get my you know quote unquote 160 quid's worth of play out of them definitely. Now this is my this is my thing that this this brings me very very nicely. It's like I asked you to segue <laughs> to my to my next point about about magic cards in general. It's such a and we've seen this exemplified in a very specific Facebook thread that has now been taken down. <laughs> um, it it's this kind of weird attitude that people have to magic cards specifically. In that, like, there are cards that I you know bought five six. Like, place it of noble hierarchs. That I'm pretty sure I paid like forty quid each for. Yeah, because that was a good price for Noble Hierarchs at the time, and I really wanted to play Noble Hierarch. And now they're what, like twelve, because of you know off of the back of the Double Masters reprint, or possibly lower than that. Do I feel bad about that? <laughs> no, because I've played them for five years. Yeah. I've I've played in I've I've played a uh, one GP main event with them. I've played countless F and M's. I've played loads of GP side events, I've, I've played you know the Axion events, I've, I've played my Noble Hierarchs in, so I've gotten mileage out of that money that I've spent. I don't need to have the money back on those. It's it's this weird thing specifically with Magic, with because the secondary market is so prevalent, and there are people that make a living off buying and selling Magic cards and engaging with the secondary market, <laughs> that people are obsessed with, with cards retaining their value. Yeah. And it, it's it's an attitude change you need to have where these are tools, these are game pieces that you're purchasing in order to play a game. Like, when you spend, I don't know how much video games cost now, but whenever you spend an exorbitant amount of money on video games, or on a, on a PS5, for example, are you upset in four years' time when you can't sell your PS5 for the exact price that you paid for it? No. Because you treat that differently for some reason, despite the fact that it essentially functions in exactly the same way. It's a thing that you buy in order to enjoy yourself to do a thing you want to do, which is fun and a hobby. And then when it's done, it's done. When there's something new to get, you get that. And you, you, you don't think about the... Well, you probably should. But you, you, know, you don't think about the hundreds of pounds that you've sunk into that thing at the time because it's a thing you want to do. And it facilitates enjoying yourself. Yeah. You can treat magic cards the same way. Like, if, if, you, if you're if you're just buying magic cards based on the fact that you think you can squeeze value out of them when you sell them, then that's just a headache you don't need. Um, and that's why shops do it for you. <laughs> but it's just this attitude that we have where, where magic cards are just, they, they should have an intrinsic value and they should be worth the same price that you pay for. Like, people that bought Tarmogoyfs when they were £200 each or whatever, because there was a time where Tarmogoyf was stupidly expensive. Yeah. Do they really care that it's twenty five pounds now for a future site Tarmogoyf? They shouldn't because they get they got to play Tarmogoyf that entire time, and that's what they paid the two hundred pounds for. That's what you're paying. You're paying for the ability to play this card, which is what you want, right? That's why you choose to spend that money. And if if again if you if you're playing Magic by just well I can afford to buy this because I can sell it for this much and that means that I have this much money, then you're not in the right hobby <laughs> because you're stretching yeah. yourself too thin and you're you're you're, you're you know, 
engaging with your with your and I, I do I do hate this argument like you know magic's a luxury hobby and you shouldn't play if you don't have money but like if you genuinely can't afford for your cards to lose money then you shouldn't be playing the game because you're in a very bad financial situation in that's in, in that sense and it's unfortunate because again magic should be accessible to loads of people and I'm personally okay with people playing proxies and stuff because I just want people to play the game and I, I yeah. like reprints I like when cards lose value I'm fine with having lost money on cards because that means they've been reprinted and people have them. But if you can't, <laughs> then don't. Yeah. If it's a genuine worry that your time ago have lost that much money because one day you plan to sell them, then bad luck. I I own... And outside of reservedist cards, I own cards to play with. And then eventually, if I don't want to play those cards anymore, I'll move them on. And whatever price I get for them is the price I get for them. I'm not going to be upset that I didn't get the price for them that I paid for them. Yeah, 100%. Because it's a ridiculous way to, to think about the game. But reservist cards, I know that I'm, you know, when I got Tundras, that they were going to go up. So they were a sound financial investment. But still, I didn't push myself beyond my means because you shouldn't do that. Yeah, fully, fully it can agree. Have yeah. Horrible con- uh, consequences. I, I think if you're talking, like, specifically stuff like, like Tundras, like Dual Lands and, like, you know, reservist staples that see play in, in other formats, and, like, Legacy specifically, I think something that you see quite a lot when talking about these, these cards is. is the reserve list and, and reprints and all oh, these cards would would lose so much value if they were reprinted and oh I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to have my my underground seas <clears throat> devalued when they get reprinted that kind of thing but I guess somebody who who owns a you know a decent amount of jewel lands and plays legacy like I would love nothing more than to have the reserve list broken and have all of these currently unprintable like cards just reprinted like, I, I wouldn't care yep. I wouldn't care if, if the value went to nothing like would it be so, like would I be you know a bit sad that I, I couldn't sell my magic collection and put a deposit down on a house like yeah like a, a little bit but at the same time like I, I wouldn't care like I haven't I didn't buy those cards expecting the value to go up exponentially I, I bought those cards because I wanted to buy magic and yep. if those cards being worth you know two pounds instead of 200 pounds means that a lot more people can play the formats i love then i'm all for that definitely this is the thing i didn't like i didn't buy a guy's cradle because i thought oh in three and a half years time it'll be worth four times the price i paid for it i bought a guy's cradle because i wanted to play with guy's cradle and that's how i treat magic right like sure now i'm kind of like there's a couple of things i'm acquiring because i know that they'll go up in value and i can play that game because my job is magic, and I, I, and you know, I am in the right places to to understand the market on certain things, and I felt comfortable enough to do that. But I bought, I bought a guy's cradle because I want guy's cradle. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to play the card. I'm not, like you said, I'm, I'd be more than I'd be ecstatic if they got rid of the reserve list because one, it means that I could acquire more jewel lands to play with, <laughs> which would be fantastic. Like, I'm not. Like, I guess it's it, it's nice if you can turn your hobby into a retirement fund one day, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to want to part with my reservist cards before I die. Because who knows when that's going to be. And I, that's not my plan. Right? My yeah. life is my life and my hobby is my hobby. So I'm spending money on my hobby and that money, that, that, that hobby money is essentially gone. Unless something catastrophic happens, in which case, you know, I, I, you know, I lose my job, my house burns down, my car explodes. In that case, I would. I'm glad the reservist exists, and I can sell my reservist cards for a lot of money, so I can afford to not die. 
but <laughs> that's not my plan, right? <laughs> like, oh yeah, totally, definitely not. That, that's the, the pieces like, I've very, brought. Very much the same for me as well. Like, it's not my plan. Yes, I do own a reasonable amount of reserveless cards, but it was never my plan just to buy reserveless cards because oh, I think they're going to go up in value, so then I can sell them later in life. No, like, you just wanted to own no, wanted... Badlands or whatever. You wanted yeah, to own I... the cards to play with in in, in your favourite game. One hundred percent. Like it, <laughs> if if it you know if it does so happen that they do reach an obscene amount of money, then I'm sure I will have a line somewhere and and I'll sell. But currently, I own those cards because I want to play with those cards, not because I want to flip them and make some money. That's the thing. Like, the cards that I've acquired are worth a lot more than than what I pay for them, and like I still haven't sold them. It's still not going to happen because I still like playing them. There's still things I want to use, and it's it's it is this thing about because Magic has such a prevalent secondary market, people just assume that cards need to have intrinsic value and they can't go down. And if they reprint them, it's bad. And I've said before, it's good when like as someone who works in, in a in a store, like reprinting Magic cards is is great because yeah. if we have um, four Snapcasters for thirty five pounds each and they reprint them and they go t- to twenty. Great, that means we get to sell the Snapcasters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, get, we get to move this product and have actual <laughs> cash to buy more things, potentially more Snapcasters that we can get at a reasonable price and sell them at a slight markup. I'd much rather not have any Snapcasters in stock and have the money to then buy more product to sell to people than just have expensive cards sitting around. Yeah, so people it, are always like, like, confused as to why we don't have like loads of jewel lands and power just sitting around. Because like, that's not how business works. Yeah, We need to pay our bills and I need to earn my wage right like I can't we can't afford to just sit on expensive things because they're expensive because we'd rather sit on staples and command towers and rogues passages that will make us money yeah definitely and and it is it's the cheaper the cheaper things have the the larger audience as well like for every for every one person that can buy a snapcaster at 35 quid there's probably two people that can buy a snapcaster at 20 quid yep that's great absolutely Rather uh, yeah. than you, you making you selling that one for thirty five, you sold two, but you've made forty quid, which I can then use to to use. Like we can use yeah. <laughs> that is money. That is not just these random arbitrary numbers that are just fucking assigned to these pieces of cardboard. This is actual tangible. Well, again, it's all just made up numbers sitting on a computer. Yeah, but you know uh, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that th- those made up theoretical numbers on a computer have value to other people who don't play Magic the Gathering. <laughs> if I go to someone, you know, if I need to buy a new car and I say, well, I have this thing which is worth £800, they're not, they're going to laugh at me. <laughs> Whereas if I say, I have £800, <laughs> then we can have a conversation, you know? Um, and <laughs> this is this very specific Facebook thread about Tarmogoyf. About how Tarmogoyf used to be like the prestigious, like outside of the reserve list, like yeah. was the most expensive card, right? At a certain point. And is now 25 quid, right? Which is a lot less than it used to be. Yeah. And it, the main reason for that is because Tarmogoyf is bad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Tarmogoyf has, has not been competitively viable for many years now yeah. and has been reprinted a lot. Um, yeah. But that card doesn't even have to retain value. Even... Yeah, like even then, I think so. Like, yes, obviously, it has been reprinted more than some other staples that were quite expensive. But if you look at look at the times when it has been reprinted, like Modern Masters and Modern Masters twenty fifteen, the price of Tarmogoyf went up after it was reprinted. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, it dropped initially, but then it went up, and it w- was higher than than it was when those sets came out. 
because a bunch of fucking think... idiots like me were like, oh shit, maybe I can afford Tarmogoyfs now. You buy them, and then there's none <laughs> on the market because we all sucked them up because we wanted to play them. <laughs> but there, in, in the meantime, Magic cards have just shifted so, so much. Tarmogoyf just does not look like a good card anymore. It just is not a good card most of the time. It doesn't do anything. Like, that's that's it, detriment yeah. now. It's not a Mole Drifter, and it's certainly not a Baneslayer Angel, and it's certainly not both staple to a shopping list of abilities like most good playable creatures are these days. Yep. Yeah, Tarmogoth is just a bad card, and that's why it doesn't cost any money, and it shouldn't just cost money because you spent money on it. I think that's that's the crux of my problem with a lot, yeah. a lot of the way people engage with... And this is this is the, the breaking of the fourth wall. Everyone's engaging with magic finance if they buy magic because you're spending yeah. money on magic cards, whether that be through sale product or on the secondary market, or if you're trading. Um, just just because you spent money on a card doesn't mean you're entitled to get that money back, ever. And that is true of literally every other product in the world, unless we're talking about NFTs, I guess. And <laughs> I, I don't have time to discuss how much I fucking hate that. That's yeah. Let's uh, let's not get into that one because <laughs> I will get angry. I um, yeah. But like, guess side note, quick while you mentioned them, uh, it's probably worth noting that the the first ever uh, digital Magic the Gathering artwork was um, put up as an NFT today. I fucking hate this planet. Uh, well, it, it won't actually exist. It won't exist for much longer if they keep doing this. So uh-huh. there we go. There we go. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> just as that's someone that like. My entire existence is engaging critically with capitalism like, and making money from it. I hate it so much. Because yeah. <laughs> I can justify my... I can go to bed at night thinking that I'm an okay person because the way that I engage <laughs> with capitalism doesn't really... doesn't have too bad of a, a, a an environmental impact and doesn't at any point exploit people. Because <laughs> what I'm doing is buying and selling little pieces of cardboard which are eh, not great for the environment but in the grand scheme of things kind of okay who are which are produced by people who are fairly compensated for their labor and then i'm fairly compensated for my labor for doing that you know so i can kind of justify that but yeah time ago (laughs) (laughs) um it's just like everything else you ever spend money on like i was saying with games consoles video games your fridge your washing machine you enter into a transaction knowing you're spending that much money you are you're parting with that much value to obtain a certain amount of value and the value that thing has is its use until it literally stops working right yeah (laughs) when i bought my fridge i wasn't like oh good i can have this and then i'll I'll have the value of the fridge back in a few years when i need to get a new fridge because that's an absurd way to think about goods that you use and the same is true of magic cards it's just like i said people are obsessed with the fact the secondary market plays such a big role in this game that they think they're entitled to get their money back yeah and i think, I think it's, it's kind of one of the one of the, the biggest issues that is sort of inherently tied to the game is is the fact that the game itself can be used as a very accurate model of, of unchecked capitalism unfortunately which was, was which something i am that, an agent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's something that was, was noticed very early on by Richard Garfield in, in 1993, and there's some really good interviews with like Richard Garfield and the Alpha Playtesters back in the day when they're, they're talking about stuff like that, but oh, it, it just, it it was never designed that way, but it 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 just happened to be this, this perfect model of capitalism, so that was one interesting thing that they found definitely, but yeah, even like, 
you know, d touching back on the reserve list and stuff, like Richard Garfield, the guy who created the game, is 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 very very against the reserve list, very 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 against Magic cards having like you know, ridiculous amounts of value and stuff. And if you look at like most, if not all, other games that he's worked on, it's all very much been like trying to move away from that model. Uh, if you look at stuff like like Keyforge, like. It's all about like you open you open a deck and you play with a different deck every time. You're not building cards. You're not chasing cards. He's worked on like living card games and stuff and like you know various other board games which are just complete in the box. And I, I just think it's it's quite interesting that the the creator of the game is somebody who doesn't like that the game is this way. I mean, none of us really like that the game is this. Way. I mean, I say none of us. I certainly don't like that the game is this way. Yeah, but. Man, like, <laughs> being alive in, in 2021, you've got to find a way to to live. <laughs> and, you know, making money, albeit in what seems like a, a kind of nasty parasitic way off, off my favourite hobby, is, is, is kind of nice. And it it's not great. I, I, I hate that Magic Cards are worth so much money. I, 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 you know, I don't like it, but also... I can do it, so. And like I've just said, I can do it knowing that unless some kind of horrible expose comes out about Wizards of the Coast, I'm not exploiting people. I'm, you know, buying people's cards for a price that we've agreed on, they can say no. Um, all these things, so like, I, I kind of feel okay with my with my role in it. Yeah. Even though I think the whole thing in general is not a great thing. Um, yeah, the, the biggest problem is people think they're entitled to to, to some kind of you, like if you honestly if you can't live if your magic cards lose money stop buying magic cards proxy them do something else like it's not it, that's not a healthy way to 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 live like if you if you're if you're not going to be okay if your time growth that you paid 150 pounds for is now worth 25 pounds then i i don't know how to tell you how to engage with the hobby like yeah that's it like like even not in a strictly financial like financial sense of the world, like if, if you if you get like genuinely angry or, or upset that you spent you know yeah like your tomagoff isn't worth a hundred pounds anymore and you, or you think you're entitled to sell your tomagoff for more money than like speak to somebody like just yeah, genuinely, genuinely like, get assistance with, yeah. with yourself because like you know obviously when I find out that cards that I invested invested. <laughs> paid a lot of money for are now worth less than I paid for them I feel a bit sad I'm like oh wish that was still worth money and then I go on with my day yeah like I, I wish my place at a grove of the burn willows was still like 150 160 quid like that, that would be <laughs> that would be cool but it's not and that's fine like, yeah because <laughs> it also means that you know 100 other people can afford play sets of grove of the burn willows and play them in their decks that they like to play that couldn't have before that's a good thing I mean they also can't play them now because they're unplayable but yeah Hey, Punishing Fire's done a card in Legacy sometimes. Well, yeah, Legacy, but this this was this was Modern Tron we were talking about. Yeah, it turns out Basic Forest is just better. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's just it's it's frustrating to see a lot of people who have literally no idea what they're talking about try and discuss a thing in depth. Um, which I guess is a nice metaphor for the greater world and just the horrible planet we live on. People with absolutely well, like, not no idea, but, like, a vague approximation. Like, maybe they listened to uh, to a, a magic podcast vaguely talking about a subject and thought, 
that's enough for me. I know everything I need to know about that now. And then just started spouting off on Facebook. <laughs> Where I could read it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not muted on Facebook, so I can call you an idiot. And that probably doesn't violate Facebook's rules about targeted harassment. <laughs> me calling you an idiot because of your opinion on time ago. I mean, I mean, from my experience of Facebook, like you, you would probably get like a two-day ban for calling somebody an idiot. But if that person was like racist or transphobic, then I'm, I'm sure they'd be fine. No, I got a week ban for saying that um, a person who was wearing the T-shirt of a band who are rampant and open white supremacists should be caused physical bodily harm. I got muted for that because cool. he was wearing. A, I can't remember the band now, but they're like a, a Nazi black metal band. Um, and there was a picture of, of a guy wearing their shirt and I said that he should be cracked over the head and dumped in the sea and then Mark Zuckerberg was like you can't do that which is completely reasonable obviously <laughs> we, can't, we can't have people making vague threats they're definitely not going to act onto Nazis that's not what you want no. on the internet you want actual politicians with actual power to affect actual change to actual human beings lives saying fucking racist transphobic shit all the time that's fine but me being like I'd probably hit that Nazi in the face. But <laughs> can't be having that. Oh, this 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 world, this world we live in. It's good, isn't it? It's uh it's 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 it certainly exists. Look, I, I guess, just I just said I mean, that we're, the... we're, we're we're wandering well 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 off topic currently, but like uh, I I watched all the recent uh, Adam Curtis documentary the other day which kind of just takes an objective viewpoint of of modern history from like pre-1945 to like present mm-hmm. day and mm-hmm. it's the most like interesting yet completely soul destroying and harrowing thing I've ever seen so yeah, if, you, why if, do you, why if you fancy that I... go check it out on YouTube it's very good Wait, why do you think I just bury myself in magic cards and Warhammer <laughs> I don't like to engage with these things like, I just think that I should be allowed to go on twitter.com and say that I think the entire of the Met Police should choke on the boot they're clearly licking right <laughs> And yeah, die. The problem I was the word "die." I understand that. <laughs> I just, I just have an opinion. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not allowed to share it. I don't want to cancel the police, do you? <laughs> Can't have the entire of the, the entire of the Met, the Met Police getting cancelled for you know assaulting women <laughs> while they're at a vigil to remember a woman who was murdered by. But it doesn't matter. Clearly, none of this matters. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, I feel some of this was useful and not soul destroying and depressing. <laughs> We're still living on a harrowing planet. <laughs> yeah, we we do unfortunately. That's the thing at the at the end of the day, like, or you know, at least our, our viewpoint very much so is is that capitalism is, is the enemy a hundred percent. Like, but at the same time, there is there is no ethical consumption under, under capitalism, and you have to play under their rules. And if we're playing under their rules and engaging under their rules, then do yourself a, a favor and, and actually learn something about finance and how and how it all works. Yeah, and if you're going to play the yourself, game, that's that's the best the best way to way to scare a Tory is to is to read. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to play the game, play the game specifically by not buying cards when they're really expensive. Yeah, and and then not selling them when they're really cheap, and then complaining about the fact that you lost money, and it's not real money. I mean, no money is real. It's invented numbers used to oppress vast swathes of the human race. But... <laughs> I'm 
really trying to bring this back around to magic <laughs> but if you can, if you're going to assign arbitrary imaginary numbers to pieces of cardboard don't get angry when those arbitrary made up numbers change and that you lost money because nothing is real and time will go for shit in modern <laughs> Oh, I had such high hopes for this episode. It's really devolved into me just being angry. I I think it's 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 quite reflective of the time we're in. Uh, I think that you know, you've had you've had your first vaccine. Maybe I'll get my first one tomorrow. Hell yeah! Give it a few months, and then I, I think we'll be we'll be set on track to make some some good content. Maybe I can go in my mom's house and hug her. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't think that part of my life would be really wanting to just hug people again. <laughs> oh, we live in a horrible capitalist dystopian society, but at least we have people close to us that make it feel okay. Oh, I can't touch them anymore. Great. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm glad that's the point we're really in. It's just... just a lot, isn't it? It is. Anyway, it I'm going to go buy more fetch lands or something. Cool. At the, no, on at that the historic high. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. How do you feel about about hashtag MTG Finance? Is that something that you feel like you're clued up on? Do you own reserveless cards that you you're very very tempted to sell like I am? Sell them to me. Come let us know. <laughs> Come let us know on social media on Twitter. You can hit us up at hfdcast facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or if you really enjoyed anything you've taken from today's episode somehow, you can hit us <laughs> up on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash hour of devastation, where tiers start from as little as one dollar per month. That's roughly twenty twenty five cents per episode. Yeah, that's ethical consumption, right? Going to patreon.com and giving us money. Sure. Because sure. we hopefully have provided some kind of value, even if it's just laughing at these two idiots who don't know what they're talking about and just make really bad jokes. I mean, and we can categorically say that we won't be spending it on, on NFTs, so that's that. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely not. I'll just be spending it on jewel lands. Um, yeah, take the money from your exploitative boss that they pay you to do a job that you're far too qualified for, that you're not being compensated fairly for, and give it to us, two fucking idiots on the internet who just talk about magic cards. That's fair, right? <clears throat> <laughs> it's a good use of your of your made up illusory numbers um, yeah find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher um, if you want to go to one of those platforms and give us a comment or a rating or a review, it would really help get the podcast out to more people and it's free It is, and it will continue to be free because who the fuck would pay for this Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Awesome. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I'm at PeachGardenOaf. Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. I also stream on Twitch as well. Every Friday night we do something magic related for Friday Night Magic. That's twitch.tv slash PeachGardenOaf. I'll probably just be doing Vintage Cube for as long as it's still up. It's really fun. You should come hang out. You can find my profile on Twitter at Snail69. <laughs> uh, whether or not I'm allowed to tweet from it, is a different story. I, I imagine four, four days from from recording this podcast, I should be allowed to tweet again. Um, I said this last time I got muted. I'm not going to wish death upon people anymore <laughs> because my, my Twitter account might actually get banned at a certain point. Um, so, yeah. I'll be there. Not awesome. tweeting about wishing death on police officers. <laughs> awesome. So that's all we have time for this week. Once again, we're approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation.